Hello, my friends, and welcome to Band Hacks, a podcast designed to discuss the many ins and outs of band directing in the great state of Texas. I am Doug Fullwood, and with me is Jason Webb, and we are coming to you from the Royce City ISD Performing Arts Center in Royce City, Texas, just east of Dallas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy as we get into all things band. All right, and welcome to Band Hacks, this very first episode. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Uh, as the intro stated, I've got Jason Webb here with me. Uh, I'm Doug Fullwood, and we're going to be diving into our first little bit of content in Band Hacks. And one of the things I want everybody to remember is this is supposed to be a resource for all of our director friends, uh, regardless of experience, um, but especially supposed to be for our younger friends who maybe encounter things along the way that those of us that have been doing this for a while, uh, we can kind of maybe give some guidance on how to best navigate uh, those those things. So we hope that it evolves into, uh, you know, a fun resource. Um, you know, we're going to probably tell some stories and, you know, some of those will be war stories and horror stories and all of that about the things we've experienced over the years. But the main thing, the main message is we as a community of music educators just need to be here for each other. So um, we're going to get going with some content. And what I'd like to do is kind of give some background on, on myself, and then I'll let Jason talk about his background as well. I know I, I have several friends on the Bandhack site that know me personally. They know my college experience. They know all of that. But I know many of you I haven't met, and so just want to give you a quick rundown. So I grew up in Abilene, Texas, out in West Texas, and went to Wiley High School out there. It was in uh, Abilene Wiley Pure Gold Band. Uh, my high school band director was Lewis Thornton, and he was really, um, just really fundamental in helping me get to a point where I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, still very, very fond memories of Mr. Thornton today. Uh, from Abilene Wiley, I went to Angeles State University. That's where I started and, you know, of course, spent some time there under the great Harris Brinson. And, um, and, and I will say that, you know, he definitely did a lot of great things for me and also put up with me during my time there. And those of you that are my classmates from Angelo, you remember what I was like in college. Um, and I'm sorry for that, but I did have three really fun years there before I decided to get serious. And then I transferred out of Angelo State and landed in Stephenville, Texas at Tarleton State University. Uh, Jonathan Hooper was my director there, also my euphonium instructor, and that that gentleman did quite a bit for me. And so that was kind of my college background. Graduated from Tarleton with my bachelor in music ed, and uh, I do have a graduate degree that I got later on in my career in educational administration. So we will, from time to time, talk about education uh, and administration and administrators as well, because that can be all kinds of fun to talk about. But um, that's that's kind of my quick background. Um, and so let's kick over to Jason. Jason, tell us about your your schooling. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say I'm so grateful to be along for this band hacks journey with you. Um, I hope I'm able to to be a resource for everyone um, or if if, you know, just a, um, a 
way to make you feel better <laughs> about your own careers yep. as well uh, after hearing um, parts of mine. So um, <laughs> I grew up in Arkansas, in Benton, Arkansas, where... Um, now, wait, hang on, aren't you saying that wrong? Isn't it Arkansas? No, it's, it, it is Arkansas. It is Arkansas. It's against okay. the law to say it like okay, that. Okay, thank you for, <laughs> for letting me know that. <laughs> so I grew up in uh, Benton, Arkansas, where I went to Benton High School. My dad was my actual, or sorry, my dad was actually my high school band director. Um, so obviously he was he was my favorite teacher and had a big influence on me being a band director. Um, after that, I went to Henderson State University uh, over in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, where I'd gone to band camp for seven years prior to that. And a lot of the kids in my high school went to Henderson State to study music. Um, I started as a music education major and ended up graduating with a bachelor's in trumpet performance. Uh, then after that, I went to the University of Michigan to get my master's in trumpet performance. Um, and then how did I end up in Texas? My wife, uh, who I met at Henderson State, um, Carrie Webb, she's actually a band director here in Texas as well. She's a band director at Roy City right now. Um, but uh, she was a band director in Texas already when I graduated at Michigan. So we got married right after my graduation, and I moved to Texas, uh, where I started teaching private lessons to start, um, and then eventually got my alternative certification through Region 10. So if any of you have questions about um, alternative certification, Jason is your, is your man. Um, also, it sounds like you got to Texas just as quickly as you could, based on what you're telling me. For sure. I mean, Arkansas, Arkansas is a great state. I mean, we can do everything that Texans can, except we... You know, typically wear overalls and and are barefoot. So. And, and you say the word pitcher when Pit, you mean picture. Pi pitcher, pitcher of milk, pic picture of milk. Picture, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you guys have shoes there, right? We we do have shoes. We just yeah. don't wear them. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. So well, good. Um, well, so Jason, tell us about once you got to Texas. Tell us about your journey as a director. Sure. So. Um, Getting alternative certification uh, was it, it is a challenge because you have to um, find a job um, without certification so that you can be certified while teaching the the kids. So I was able to get into the program with Region Ten, and I found a job at Collinsville ISD as the band director uh, and elementary music teacher. I taught first oh, grade through twelfth grade. Yes, yes, that was that was an experience. You know, somebody came out and watched me teach. Uh, and they might watch me teach first graders, or they might watch me teach beginner band or high school marching band. Uh, so it was definitely experience, and I, and I had to learn how to drive a bus to have to, to be the director there. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, I was there for one year, and then I went to Community ISD, where I was the middle school director for a year, uh, and then eventually became the director of bands there for a couple of years um, and got to work with Carrie um, as my middle school director. Then but I, but uh, we know she was really in charge. Right? She was in charge. Okay, for good, sure. Yes, good. I hired her to be my boss. Right, of course. Uh, then I um, I spent two years in Princeton ISD working with Brandon Brewer and that staff, and then I spent a year at Terrell ISD, and then I've been working here with Doug. <laughs> um, I was the associate director of bands for six years and have been the director of bands here for the last two. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome awesome sounds like a great journey especially the part where you got to work with me yes I mean, that sounds oh, like mr beautiful yes yeah absolutely absolutely so so my journey is is a little bit different i actually you know went to school to be a band director and you know you mentioned a performance degree 
and that is probably something I never would have been able to uh, obtain. And for those of you that were in college with me, you you know that story, so I won't bore you with the details of that. But um, all I really ever wanted to be was a band director, um, which is kind of ironic as I sit here now because I'm sitting in a fine arts administrative role when early in my career all I wanted to do was teach band. So that's kind of interesting. But um, when I graduated, my very first job was in a town called Divine, uh, Divine, Texas. It's about 30 miles south of San Antonio. I was there for a year as a third director of a team of three and had, you know, really a pretty good year. Um, Great kids, um, good program, good solid community support. Um, You know, it was at that point in time where I ended up uh, engaged and my wife and I decided we wanted to move back to the Metroplex area, um, back up into this area. So I mentioned I graduated from Tarleton earlier. So I did spend, while I was at Tarleton, a lot of time, it's pretty close to Fort Worth. So a lot of time up in this area. My wife is from the Dallas area. And so we moved up here. And so my next job was a, it was at a two-way school, Boyd High School in Boyd, Texas. Some of you might be, th- be thinking McKinney Boyd. No, no, no. We're talking two-way uh, conference 2A school um, very first year in the high school band we had 32 students and you know just have some really really fond memories of those kids I was in Boyd for two years went to Decatur just up the road and was in Decatur for the next nine years uh, so really got to know a lot of great folks work with a lot of great folks um, had a lot of, of great students that you know I still keep in touch with and you know that's that, that was a really fun part of my life um, once w- I was done in Decatur, I moved down to Austin. My wife and daughter, we all went down to Austin. Um, I worked in, ba- in the Bastrop area. One of the draws there was my dad was, was in Round Rock. And so we were going to be closer to family there and, you know, went down to, uh, you know, work with that band program and, um, you know, spent some time there. Our, our situation, we kind of felt like once we had gotten in there and, you know, worked with the kids and and spent time at the school my wife was working at one of the local hospitals you know after after a lot of prayer we decided that you know while we we appreciated the opportunity to be in that environment it just wasn't the greatest environment for us as far as our family and and the things that we wanted to do long term Uh, of course my wife's parents are, are up here in the mckinney area and so from bastrop i moved into roy city as you mentioned earlier and so you know, I've been in Roy City uh, ever since, and, you know, as, as Jason said a minute ago, he's been the director of bands the last two years, and I moved into the director of fine arts role. And so that's kind of been our journey, um, you know, so one of the things, and, and of course, both of us taught lessons while we were in college. I wrote some drill for, um, you know, some 1A, 2A, 3A schools along the way, and so we, we have, between the two of us, a wealth of experience and knowledge and certainly some hey don't do this because when we did it it didn't go the way it was supposed to go Mm, so so we hopefully will be you know a a good resource one of the things that i want to make sure that everybody understands is we are open to your communication so you'll hear us on this podcast but if you need to reach out to us you are welcome to reach out to us now please keep in mind we do have full-time jobs and so we will try to get back to you as quickly as we can but the purpose of all of this is supposed to be service oriented so that if somebody needs assistance somebody needs help 
then there is a network of people that can do that. And I don't just mean things, basic things. I mean, like, how do you navigate a trip contract? How do you deal with a, a drill designer who's maybe not providing the things that they said they should? Like, all of those things where, you know, quite frankly, they don't teach you that in college. That's something you kind of have to learn, um, you know, uh, as you go along. So today we've got a few questions that that Jason and I have kind of pre-prepared and we're going to talk through some experiences and the other thing about this is I want to make sure if you as a listening audience have suggestions for things you'd like for us to address or talk about we would love to hear from you because again we want this to be relevant uh, for y'all it's it's kind of fun for us um, as far as you know stepping outside of our roles and being able to sit down learn some new technology which I don't think I mentioned that earlier but we are both learning this new technology, and so um, please bear with us as we as we get better at this. Um, but but again, it, this is supposed to be a resource for Texas band directors and also uh, instrumental music students that are in college wanting to be Texas band directors. And I, I will say this: education has been a really challenging climate and environment here recently. And you know, I've heard more students recently than not are like, "No, I don't really want to be a teacher." And I think. Those of us that have been doing this for a while, we kind of have a job to do to carry on the legacy and make sure that we do allow our students to see the value of education and being an educator and that it's not just about the financial uh, you know, implications. Because, I mean, let's be honest, if we, we all went to school to make a ton of money, I don't think any of us would have chosen um, education as as our degree field so right. I'm, most of us are here for the kids and you know for the fulfillment that comes with teaching music to young people so let's let's get into the content today and the things we're going to talk about so well, we'll start with Jason oh, my awesome. question my question for you is tell us what it was like when you first started out in education especially given that you didn't go to school necessarily to be a teacher right I, I started school to, to be a teacher. Oh, you did? Uh, I mean, I grew up, my dad is the high school band director. I went oh, to Friday okay. night football games, okay. you know, from the age of zero until <laughs> 18. And then, um, you know, somewhere along the way, I decided that I'd, I I love playing my instrument. So I, I just decided that, you know, I was going to go the performance route. Um, and then eventually I found my way back to education. So I, I do have a question. Where, where were you going to perform when you got your performance degree? Were you wanting to be a symphony player? Were you wanting to... I was I was wanting to be either a symphony player or a um, be in a military band. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. And so, what what led you back to the education side? I mean, you know, a um, kind of a combination between a little bit of burnout uh, by the end of my master's degree, as well as being a little bit homesick um, up in Ann Arbor. And so, getting married. Um, back here in Texas uh, and understanding that a lot of the performer jobs, uh, somebody has to die or retire for there to be a job opening. Oh, well, that's, that's really, that's yeah. really a, a I mean, cool it's, situation. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a great situation. So, I mean, wow. if, um, you know, if I were, when I got married, if I wanted to tell my wife like, Hey, you know, there's a job opening in Alaska for me to teach trumpet. Um, Probably know. would have been a good way to get divorced. Correct. Right? Exactly. Yes. So, okay. So that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons that led me back to it. But also, you know, being around the band world again uh, in high school band by teaching private lessons for my first year of marriage and my first year in Texas um, really made me remember, like, why I wanted to get into this in the first place. So um, 
I taught private lessons for the first year up in North Texas at schools ranging from, you know, class A to 5A. That was before 6A even existed. Um, but I, I ended up getting accepted into the Region 10 program uh, about halfway through that year. That was the certification, right? Yes, the yeah. alternative certification program. And then I um, got the job at Collinsville. And so uh, that was my first job as a band director, and I was completely naive as to what I was walking into. Uh, not just the situation, okay? Yeah. I mean, I, I should have known when uh, the main interview question, because it was a very short interview, was can you teach the national anthem? And I, I just, yes, yes. I, sure. I like that, the national that anthem. Is, I could, can teach that's that. the right answer, yes. <laughs> right. Right. And so I was pretty much hired at that point. So I, I knew that it wasn't going to be an awesome situation with regards to that. But um, I also had plenty of gaps in my my teaching and my pedagogy that I was going to have to overcome uh, before day one. So yeah, especially especially in the woodwind section, I'm sure you're the only one out there that came out of college with gaps in their pedagogy. I'm sure <laughs> you were the only one because I knew every. I know that's a lie. Yeah, that's very very common for people to come out of school and go, okay, well, I can play my horn really well. Now, what do I do with all these kids? Right. Right. So, right. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. No, no, that's great. And 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 I was more thinking from a a playing standpoint because again, I had just gotten done with two performance degrees and just gotten done teaching private lessons with kids just auditioning for Regen and college. So I, um, you know, the same day that I found out, I was actually at my wife's parents' house. And I said, hey, I just got this job. Now I'm going to have to learn how to play clarinet or something <laughs> because I didn't know how to play anything. Um, I didn't have any of the methods classes in college. I was just strictly trumpet. So, um, you know, Carrie took 30 minutes to teach me about hand position and, you know, how to play the clarinet. And I spent the next two hours just practicing clarinet uh, and, and learning how to do all of that. So, um, you know, the moral or point of the story is I, I knew something about band directing mm -hmm. um, because I'd grown up around it my whole life. But when it came to conducting or woodwinds or percussion, low brass, um, programming, classroom management, Anything discipline. other than yeah. trumpet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I write my own drill like you. Um, <laughs> you know, that's something that I knew about band directing turned into being close to nothing. Right. Um, walking into that first job. And it was... Yeah. So, so like from a fear and anxiety standpoint, where were you? I wasn't that. I wasn't that scared. I was okay. still kind of. I was naive, I guess. I mean, I, I right. went in. So you you maybe should have been scared, but didn't know enough for to sure. be scared. Yes, okay. yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, it and it, it it lasted until about the first day of summer band, and so I got everything cleaned up, ready to go. It was it was two thousand seven. I know that was probably like your what, 30th year in education? Y yes, right, definitely my 30th okay. year. Thank you for that. So <laughs> um, I had planned on doing a 007 show because it was 2007, and I just thought that was, like, groundbreaking, like, yeah. show design right there. Yeah, that's you know? uh, that sounds like something a trumpet player would, yeah, would for sure. come up with. But um, I, I remember the first day of summer band, I had all the music passed out neatly, you know, how I remember helping my dad in the in the past. And we sit down, and I'm like, all right, hey, welcome. You know, everybody's, like, ready to go, and we're super excited. You know, we had a 26-person band, um, 8th grade through 12th grade. Okay. And um, I said, all right, let's hear Concert F. Here we go, Concert F. And one, two, ready. And and it was it was pretty terrible. Right. Um, and then a kid's hand shot up, and he said, what's Concert F? So 
from the very first day I was thinking we're not we're not gonna be able to do a double seven show. You know, yeah. we're gonna yeah. I think we ended up playing the hay song and tequila on the field. Nice or something. Yeah. So yeah. Those are those are great standards, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it was great. Okay. So uh and I know we're gonna talk about this a little bit later as mm-hmm. far as getting help yeah. um from people in the area. Right. But um I didn't really have any I mean we didn't have Facebook groups like we do today. Right. Um but I didn't really have a lot of people in the area that I knew other than my wife and like whoever she had met right, yeah. uh, in the small schools in North Texas. But I mean, it was, it was definitely a situation that I was going to need some help for sure. Yep. Um, but I didn't know how to ask and I wasn't comfortable having anybody come out and you know <laughs> show my group that, or honestly at that point, I didn't even really know that I needed to have another person come out and help me. It was right. just more of a, where do I go from here? Sure. So um, I've got plenty more stories as we get going on this. Yeah, but, definitely. But if you uh, if you want to tell us about your first year of teaching. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you about my first year just because I was the third person on staff. And so in terms of responsibilities, I did not have a ton of things I was in charge of. Like I was essentially in charge of a fundraiser for the whole band. Like I was the one that oh. counted the money, probably because I was the new guy. I did the second band at the middle school. And, and me, the euphonium player, did a percussion ensemble with the percussion kids at the middle school because, um, you know, the the stuff that they play during band was boring. And so, you know, I got to learn a whole lot about percussion right off the bat and, you know, ask a bunch of my friends who were percussionists, hey, how do you do this? Because I don't know about y'all, but, you know, in many cases, college uh, percussion methods classes, I know they're getting better about that. But, you know, 25, 30 years ago, um, it just wasn't a thing. Uh, right. We we took the class, but I mean, I made a B, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was just like sticking through a method book. So anyway, and well, before before you go on, yeah. just to to let our listeners know if if um, if you think that that story is bad for you, that like, hey, I didn't know anything about percussion, even though I took methods classes. I didn't even take methods classes. <laughs> I didn't have any idea. I mean, right. my. I do remember my first percussion lesson. It was from a, um, it was a sophomore percussionist at my first job, teaching me how to do buzz rolls. Yep. And um, and he he actually is now a band director. So wow. So maybe maybe my lack of percussion skills inspired him to you know want to teach somebody one day. I'm sure. I'm sure his, that's yeah. His yeah. first teaching lesson was to his band director. That would be a weird. Right. Yeah. I'm story. surprised you didn't put that on Facebook. No. But no. maybe you should when we get done. <laughs> So, so anyway, you know, um, so that first year I, I, you know, had some good guidance, worked with a couple of good guys and, um, fortunately, and I, d- I didn't mention this earlier, but I did spend some time while I was in college working in Comanche just down the road from Stephenville and worked with a wonderful lady. Her name is Kim Reedy and learned a lot of great things, uh, there, um, also learned a lot about what I should not do, um, things that, you know, seemed like a good idea or maybe worked in my home program, but didn't necessarily work with that group of kids. And so, and it also probably didn't help that I was really close to their age group either. And they were like, whatever, man. Sure. So, you know, that, that was kind of that. But my, my very first head director job was in Boyd, Texas, as, as I talked about earlier. And, and man, when I got the call that like, I was the one that, that was getting this job, I got so excited because it was like, man, I'm gonna plan my own marching show. We did, we did a western show, right? Oh yeah, and, and and it was it was killer. And of course, everybody in the community loved it, you know. Um, and and I loved it. We did, um, 
we d- I think we opened with Magnificent Seven. Uh, we closed with Barry Hurt, Silverado. For those of you that are familiar with with Barry and his stuff, I mean, you know, it, it was a really fun year. But w- what I will tell you is, it was also a very very challenging year, in that, you know, and, and let me go off on a tangent just for a second. When you leave a program, if if you're leaving a program to go elsewhere, it's really important that you leave that program cleaned up, organized in a place to move forward because when you don't do that even if you're frustrated with the administration when you don't do that that's still going to negatively impact the students later on and so what i walked into was you know it was an office that hadn't been taken care of in a very very long time and and not so much in the cleanliness aspect like that was one thing but in this office there was a, a roof leak and it had, you know, you guys have seen roof leaks before. So it comes down between the drywall and the paint and it kind of bubbles out and then oh. it finally busts. Well, this had happened behind the file cabinet. And so nobody, like you could see the trail of the water, but you could see where it came out of the wall, but you didn't see where it had blown up behind the file cabinet. So I wanted to rearrange the furniture because let's make things look different and new and fresh. Right. And so, I try to pull this file cabinet back from the carpet and it is literally rusted to the carpet. And so I'm having to put my foot down on the carpet and rip the file cabinet out. And then behind it are um, some, it's a domicile of some furry woodland creatures Mm. just right behind the file cabinet. And so all of a sudden it's just like, oh my gosh. I was not expecting this. And, you know, and that's tough when you're, you know, a single uh, director. There's only two of you on staff and there's hours and hours of cleanup and things that need to be done so that you can actually have band. And you've got to throw yourself into that to get it to the place where you can move forward. And, you know, I've for some reason, there's there's been a lot of, of jobs that I've taken over the years and have been offered. Very fortunate, very blessed to be where I am because of those journeys. Um, but, but it just seems like a lot of times as directors, you know, we're, we're too busy or we've got too many irons in the fire or we're not willing to let our kids help us stay organized as we start, you know, doing what we need to do. And so that resulted in a big mess to clean up. And so my big thing, and this will tell you about my maturity level, all I was really interested in was a rating that very first year as a head director. I did not want to make a three. That was really important to me. So the band program um, that I took over actually had, um, the, the year before, they made threes in marching contests, and I want to say they got a four on stage. And and what was so weird about it is the kids were fantastic. I mean, absolutely great kids. And I worked with a gentleman named Jeff Ensign, and he was fantastic to work with. He's a first-year teacher. And, I mean, we, you know, we really enjoyed that group of, of kids. But one of the struggles for me was, okay, we've got to get the show on the field. We've got to do this. We're not big. We're not going to compete with all these huge groups. Like, we had one ball game, and it was, uh, it was for those of you that remember Chris Lovejoy, when he was at Sanger, he came in. He had over 100 kids in the, in the band. So here's my 32. Here's his over 100. They come in as the visitor and just throw down at halftime. And I'm like, well, 
okay, here we go, you know. And w- tell all the kids they got to play super loud. Yeah, exactly, yeah, okay. exactly. And and of course, Chris being the gentleman that he was, he was very very complimentary of of our kids. And and of course, we really enjoyed standing in front of them while they ripped our faces off, you know. Oh yeah. And so, but you know, one of the the challenges I I knew just because my director, we always had that time of the year where it was okay, we're going to bring a clinician in. This is what we do. Why do we bring a clinician in? Well. In most cases, it's because it's a different horse's rear end to say the same things that we've been saying. But for me, it wasn't that because, like, I had said some of the right things, but I had said some other things that had confused my kids, had not made sense to my kids. I'm In some cases, I'm not even sure why I told them to do that. And then, you know, I had our clinician come out, and, and that's that's kind of how that went. So my two clinicians that first year were my college band director, Jonathan Hooper, that I mentioned earlier, and then Kevin Heckman. And Kevin was in Graham at that time. And um, both of those gentlemen came out. And one of the things that I wasn't expecting out of either one of them, especially out of Mr. Hooper, because, you know, when I was in a lesson with him, if it wasn't good, he was like, yeah, that wasn't good, you know. But they were really complimentary of the way the kids worked. And what I, I noticed was every time they asked the kids to do something different, they did it, they achieved it. And so all of a sudden I started looking at myself going, what have I done, right? Right. But at the same time, now that I'm, I'm on this end of it, I can look at it and go, well, I learned a lot in those experiences and it helped me be a better director. And it's always, you're so scared when you have your first couple clinicians in because you're worried about your kids behaving, especially if you're in a new, new place, right? You tell them, bring your music, bring your pencil, do your thing. And then, you know, you were just like, Oh my gosh, nobody better utter a word or (laughs) I'm going to destroy you from the bleachers with my laser eye vision. Right. Right. And so, you know, what was really nice about that is both of those gentlemen they came in they understood the situation and they just started to help me make things better they explained why hey this should consider this you should do this try this and it wasn't what i was expecting if that makes sense it was more of a let me show you how to to get better and one of the things i remember was being so anxious and concerned about what those guys were going to think about me and my ability to teach when they saw my group. And unfortunately, that is the thought process of a young educator who doesn't really have it figured out yet. Sure. And so, you know, now I'm like, man, if I had a band, I'd, can I get as many clinicians as possible? I love to have 1,200 people come in and listen to my band and take notes and tell me what you think. Right. Just so that can be a tool to help us get better. But when you're first starting out, that's not what you think. You know, right, right for so. sure. And and I mean, regardless if it's right when you first start out or when you first hire in a clinician, because, um, you know, I didn't start hiring in clinicians until my third or fourth year teaching. And I was still scared. Oh, yeah. I was, you know, I'm, I'm a grown man and I'm scared yes. having these people come watch me do my job. Right. right. So, no, I, I totally, totally understand that. And, you know, the hard part is like you you don't want to appear unsure of what to do next. But in many cases, you don't know how to resolve whatever the issue is. And in some cases, the issue that you're hearing and you're keying in on is actually being caused by something else that's happening. Sure. And you're just not seeing it at, at that level. Right. You know, and, and for me, I, you know, my thing was I, I always wanted to be 
at the very least well respected in the band director community. And I know a lot of you know what I'm, I'm talking about when it comes to that. Um, you know, we want to be thought of as a great educator, as a good mentor, as a family man, as somebody who really takes care of kids, you know, those are the things that we want people to think about us. And so in many ways we start thinking about, well, how can we, how can we make that a thing while at the same time, I got to teach these kids all the stuff that I don't know how to do. Right. Right. And, and so there is, and and I just want to make sure that we, we address this. There is an element of anxiety. There is an element of, you know, fear. There is an element of, uh, uncertainty when you, you start one of these journeys because, um, you know, you know what you think about yourself. Your family knows what you think, and you know what your family knows. Right. You may not know what the parents of your kids think. You may not always know what your kids think. You may not always know what your administration thinks. So it's one of those exercises in I just have to be confident in what I'm doing and move forward. And when I screw up, go, hey, I messed that up. I need to fix it. Sure. You know? Oh, yeah. So uh, I know for me that, that was my big thing. So well, let me ask you this. Let's talk about college real quick, sure. okay? And and not not the things we shouldn't be talking about. But tell <laughs> me, tell me, because you 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 went the performance route. How did college prepare you, or not prepare you to be an educator? Okay, all right. So for me, and and I'm not talking negative about any kind of education experience I got because um, you know I didn't major in music education, so it wasn't like it was. They so it was were, your they, fault. Yeah, it was totally my fault. fault. I chose yes. the wrong path. Yes, right. for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I got my education in performance, and, and I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. I loved playing my instrument. Um, I loved competing in auditions and concerto competitions and, and just the experiences that I got at Henderson State and at uh, the University of Michigan were, were just top-notch. I loved it. And, and the players that I got to play with, the performers, were um, were stellar, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's helped my ear. It has helped my, um, you know, my expectations of 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 what I expect from my students, um, and all of that stuff. But as far as a um, a band director and stuff goes, I've had I've had quite a few eye opening experiences since becoming a director that I was not ready for coming out of college, and I don't know that I don't know that a lot of even music education majors are ready for some of them. Yes, I, I'm quite certain. I don't know what you're you're about to tell us, but but I I would agree with with whatever the the situations were. Sure. Yeah. And 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 I'll tell you, my my dad after after um, finishing up his high school career um, as a high school director in Arkansas, he uh, became a college band director at the University of Arkansas Monticello um, because he wanted to teach students how to be good teachers. They needed some more, you know. They need good teachers coming out right Love now, that. like everybody does. Love that. So, um, you know, I, I told him that my experience with being a, a college performer and then coming out and, and being a band director at a small school or a couple of small schools um, is that I, I wanted him to tell his students that although you may love playing awesome literature like right. Mackey and Whitaker yes. and Holst and Maslanka, um, it, is, it is going to be a, a shock for most teachers starting out when they go from playing Maslanka 4 in the top band at college to playing line 4 with the fourth band at mom and pop middle school. Yep. So Absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's for most teachers that that love playing music or love being around good music, uh, the beginning of your career can't 
be about the music. It can't just right. be about, oh my goodness, they're just all going to love like <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to teach them how to make a great tone on yep. you know, hot cross buns. Right. So, um and 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 our listeners may be in a situation where the students, you know, have always done band this way or a place that it's um, you know, they've been making pretty rough ratings for the last decade or so. Right, right. But um, the band director job is not just about playing great music, you know, and and that's, you know, that's a big shock for, for somebody coming out of college yep. that's been used to you know, playing their instrument really, really well. Right, and let me, let me interrupt you there for just a second. And so for all of my friends that are listening that are instrumental music majors in college, you're studying to be a band director, one of the things I want to, to make sure that you understand is if, if you're going to be successful in this profession, you have to love kids, okay? And, and you have to understand that you're in it for the kids. There is a certain amount of fulfillment that comes from, hey, I'm a band director. But what you have to understand is the, the, big, the big thing that we need to make sure that we are doing as educators is, is we're using music as a vehicle to reach our students. And, and, you know, and I know all of you understand what I'm talking about. It's like we know how to get places on time. We know how to complete tasks. We know how to do all these, you know, life skills. And we know how to do those things because our band director beat it into us, right? Not really beat it into us. But, yeah. but there are certain parameters and things that we had to follow as students. And then when we got out to be educators ourselves, then we, we understood the importance of those things. And so, but, but what I will tell you is students, kids, they will try you. They will not tell you the truth all the time. They will not practice sometimes. Parents will tell you that they practiced and they didn't. Like you just have to understand that what you're working with is a student musician who is constantly changing. They're constantly dynamic in one form or another. And the way they change may not be in their playing. It may be in their personality. It may be in their home situation. It may be in, you know, whatever is happening in their friend group, um, those types of things. So if, if you're sitting there going, I'm going to impart my love and passion for music to kids, and that's going to be my ticket. I want to caution you because uh, you can do that, but you have got to earn their trust. You have got to give them the impression that you do care about not only how they play, but how they exist. And, and again, I, there may be some people that might disagree with me on that. Um, and I'll be happy to argue with you about it. Um, not on the air, of course, no. but, but, but like so many times, um, you know, we see things where it's like, you know, man, that, that band just performs at such a high level. And then because of the experience the kids have, they put their horns up when they're done. They don't like they graduate and they don't play anymore. Right. And, and that's to me, that's one of the saddest things. Um, and that's not that's not aimed at anybody in particular. This is just something that I know happens around the state. And so it kind of, you know, for me, it was always like if I have a student that's quitting their horn, I feel like I've messed that up a little bit, whether I have or not, whether it was me or not. I always kind of felt responsible for that, because, you know, when I when I l let me go off on a tangent here really quickly. When I graduated from high school, and I love my high school band experience. What that that was like in the the fifties, right? Yeah, exactly, okay. nineteen fifty. But but when I graduated from high school, my background in music was not what it should have been. Now understand, this is back in you know nineteen nineties where you could have one hundred and sixty kids in the high school band, and there were only two directors, and that was it. 
And so any playing and technique problems in terms of like breaking kids up and fixing bad habits and that kind of thing, it just wasn't going to be a thing, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I went to college as a euphonium player reading Trouble Clef and playing with my teeth slammed together and my cheeks puffed out. And so you can imagine, for those of you that are brass players, how well that went. And those of you, again, that went to school with me, you know how well that went because you <laughs> experienced it with me. Um, so, you know, that that's just something to understand about kids is you've got to meet those kids where they are. Like, that was one of the things that saved me is I had a couple of professors meet me where I was and help me get over the hump of, hey, you don't play very well. And, hey, you don't know what you're doing. And, hey, you need to learn how to read bass clef because – you play euphonium, you know? Sure. And so so that was that was kind of my experience there. So sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, no. but I wanted to, to go over that. No, and that's great. And and you know, I just wanna kinda piggyback on what you're just saying right there with with not being a strong performer necessarily, but but obviously and, and I know that you're not you're 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 being humble and you're not bragging on yourself and stuff, but <laughs> but you're a fantastic band director and the kids the kids love you and all of all of the people that work here at Roy City love having you as the fine arts director, and so oh, I appreciate it, that. It, yeah, I, I did not, guys. I did not slip him twenty bucks across the table for him to say that. However, he does um, <laughs> offer me my contract or not. I, that year, is so true. Yes. That is true. That is one hundred percent true. Anyway, but but um, you know you don't have to be you know the the strongest player to reach kids, and. Um, on the on the flip side of that, some of the strongest players, and I'm sure some of you you know someone like this that um, could be a super strong player on their instrument and a fantastic musician, but um, doesn't really relate well to to kids. Yep. And so um, you know, wrong notes are not as offensive to sixth and seventh graders as they are to their band directors. That's right. Um, so when you're coming out of college, you you need to. I don't want to say you need to love wrong notes so that you can fix them or something, but I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of wrong notes that you're going to hear. And I mean, it's going to be on stuff that's super easy. You're going to, you're going to hear wrong notes. And you're going to have to fix it and you're going to have to love your job. That's right. That's right. And you know, and I'll say for me, you know, I, I approach college as I have to do this so that I can go teach. And that was the wrong approach, but I, I, was, I was stupid and, and not mature and so didn't realize it was the wrong approach. But it was like, you know, I'm never going to use this, so I just have no interest in it. You know, I'm, I'm not ever going to, um, you know, use 20th century music. I'm not ever going to, you know, worry about parallel fifths and part writing. I, I'm just not going to worry about that. And, of course, that, as you, as you all know and can relate to, caused me some, some pretty significant issues. Now, one of the things I will say is, you know, college professors kind of have a challenge because they are trying to prepare you to be the best musician first. That's what it is. That sure. You have to be the best musician first. And so, unfortunately, because of all the ensembles we play in, the time we have to practice, all of that time we spend focusing on our instrument is time that we don't necessarily spend preparing to work with kids. And so for those of you that are college instructors or college students right now, you know, if you have opportunities to go teach lessons, provided that you have the, the, the knowledge to do that, then go do that. If you, have, sure. if you have the ability to go talk to other band directors and network, go do that. Let them know who you are. Ask questions. Be interested. Those are the types of things that you don't get in college. And I'm going to address one more thing, too, with college, in my experience ed classes okay so i took 
uh, at Tarleton, it was it was PD one, PD two, PD three, and then we student taught. And like, there were a couple of of really good professors that I had, but none of them had any idea what I was going to do. So when they were talking about graphic organizers and Bloom's taxonomy oh, yeah. and all this stuff, overhead projectors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just want to be like, hey, do you know do you know how to spell trumpet? You know the, that type of thing. And, and, of course, we're in the same class with the guys that are going to be coaches and the guys, are, the girls are going to be English teachers or whatever the, the disciplines are. We're all mixed in there together. So it's like, okay, finally, we get to the education classes for them to tell us a whole bunch of stuff that's really not applicable, right? Sure. There's a few things. But what that means, though, is when I came out, the only knowledge I had about how to deal with kids was what I went out and got on my own, whether it was writing drill or teaching sectionals, teaching lessons, like I said, working in Comanche. Um, and in a lot, of, a lot of cases, it's like, hey, I learned that I, I tried this and it didn't work, so let me do the opposite. And oh my goodness, that worked better, you know? Right. And all of a sudden you start building your toolbox of how to take your musical knowledge and get it across to your students. And that is, if you can do that, then, then, then you're in business. And you know, Jason, you were talking about guys that are just fantastic players right fantastic players great people um to play in an ensemble with but in terms of getting them in front of an ensemble and having them teach and instruct kids student musicians there's no way they oh, yeah, can't get it done like even if they say some of the right things the kids look at them and go what right like they can tell you know yeah. so so i would definitely encourage those of you that are going okay I'm getting all this great musical training, and I'm a monster player. Great. Do you like kids? Okay. Do you do you want to be around kids? And 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 I and just so we're clear, I mean that in the most appropriate way. Just so we're clear, because there are some people that are just they they for whatever reason they decide that kids are a target, and you know that's something we're not going to get into. So I just want to make sure we're all clear when I say you like kids, you love kids. It's about investing in them to get them over the humps that they're going to encounter when they are in high school or middle school or whatnot. Sure. And, and again, making them love music and, and getting them from point A to point B to point C where they get to draw on all these experiences that they've had. Um, and, you know, you as a director can find some fulfillment in knowing that you were part of that. You know, right. so and getting kids to getting kids to love being around you and being in your class and and enjoying um, music education that is a skill as well. So um, you know, I not to not to brag, but to brag, um, <laughs> I'm a pretty fantastic trumpet player. I was, you know, he, first he, chair in the all state band. He really is pretty decent. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and you know, first chair at college. No, was that the was that the Arkansas All was, State Band? That was the Arkansas. Oh, I'm sorry, All State I'm Band. Yeah, I'll remember that eventually. And yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I was I was a pretty good trumpet player, and I, I always sat first chair, and and uh, ended up going to one of the best music schools for it, and and it was it was an awesome experience. But that didn't make me a better band director with regards to, like, you know, teaching kids or. Um, classroom management or having somebody like my class so uh, I, sh I I did feel like hey I'm really good at this this should be going really well that sounds that sounds really remarkably unlike I, a trumpet player. a trumpet player yeah, yes that, I know yeah. I know okay I'm really good at this but you know this is not this is not the same thing so 
yes, we do spend a lot of time in college um, learning how to play our instruments really well and performing ensembles and stuff, but um, it is a separate skill to be a band director as absolutely. well. Absolutely. So absolutely. And, and and just like what we're kind of getting at, you know, there's not a lot of of education you can get in college without the kids in front of you. Um, that's going to show you the full experience of being a band director. So as much as you can get out there and teach private lessons or tech for marching bands or, or just go, you know, watch march or watch concert bands and watch these rehearsals and see what it's like. You're going to run into some of the same stuff. I mean, when I was teaching private lessons, there were kids that didn't practice and they were paying me. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, then you had to sit with them the very next week after they had not practiced. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, I'll tell you something else, too, on that is I know a lot of schools, they're conducting classes or their band method classes. What they'll do is they'll have, you know, students get up and they'll conduct a piece or they'll have the group that, you know, the majors are on a secondary instrument and they'll have them get up and conduct that. And then they're supposed to, you know error detect and fix and do all of that stuff even if you're working with a top band you know the directors usually say well just make sure there's some wrong notes in there somewhere just to see how well we can error detect well that's still not the same sure it is still not the same um and you know one of the things we'll talk about at some point is score study but you know one of the things i found that that i I wish i would have done earlier is and, and granted you know the internet was created when i was in college uh, so <laughs> that's how old I am. But, but you know, right now it's such a great resource. If you have a score, a piece of music, and you want to do some ear training, you can easily pull up some reference recordings on YouTube, throw the score down, and figure out, you know, what you're hearing, what you don't like. Go over it with your mentor. Ask them, hey, what are you hearing? And see if it lines up. That's how we kind of can hone our ears and get us to a point where we really know what we're listening for, right. you know. And that's, again – they try to do that in college, but it's just an unrealistic environment in most cases, you know. Yes. Um, and, and we've got, just down the road from us, we've got Texas A&M University Commerce, and they do a fantastic job. We've got a number of faculty members here in Roy City that are commerce graduates. And I know there's a lot of you listening right now that are commerce graduates as well. Some of you, it was East Texas State, so sorry, I'm not trying to, um, you know, call it the wrong thing. But, you know, they do a really good job of recognizing we've got to be a musician and an educator at the same time. And, you know, the bottom line is there's really not a substitute for experience getting out and getting in the classroom and learning what you need to learn. It's a time. It takes time. Right. It just takes time to do that. And, and, you know, if you're like me, like I was the kid, (laughs) I was the kid in class that if you had seven ways to explain it, I needed it the eighth way. (laughs) That was me. Okay. And so, you know, I have a special place in my heart for directors that are like, I'm not even sure what to do here at this moment, because that was me. That sure. was me. And I, it was it's a awful feeling. It is a horrible feeling when that happens. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to create this group was so, again, we could kind of normalize, hey, asking for questions, you know. Right. And a lot of times we, we get into this whole competitive thing where, well, I don't want to give you any information because your band might beat my band. Oh, my goodness. If, if that's where you are, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like that we're missing the importance of, again, using music as the vehicle to reach kids. Uh, so just, you know, and you're welcome to disagree with me on that if you'd like. But, you know, competition, sure. If you're going to compete, let's compete to win. Don't disagree with that. But, um, you know, 
I still think we got to take really good care of our kids. Um, so sorry, I went off on a tangent with that one. No, so. that's great. All right, so let's uh, move on. We got just a couple more things to, to go, and then we'll be done here. So why was it hard for you to ask for help or even recognize when you needed help? Um, I mean, you know, starting out, I didn't really, like I said earlier, I didn't really know anybody other than um, Carrie, who I'd, right. you know, married. Who um, we already established is much smarter than you are. Yes, for yes. sure. Okay, for sure. good. Um, and then... My, my music sales rep from McKay Music, Doug mm-hmm. Turner, he would come out and visit me once a week. And um, and it was awesome that he came out and visited me. I'm, I'm pretty sure he only came my way because uh, because he liked hanging out with Carrie, and Carrie was really nice to him and told him that, hey, you know, somebody should go out and visit Jason every now and then. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't so have So she any knew. She knew you were in trouble. She knew I was in trouble, <laughs> for sure. And, you know, he, he helped me end up getting my my next job at community he had talked about me to the director there and um you know after being the middle school director there for a year and then having carrie come on to be the middle school director while i moved up to director of bands um during my third year of teaching is when i finally worked up the courage and had had enough you know family conversations about hey we need to have somebody come out here and listen to the kids um i was definitely nervous for sure Mm -hmm. um but I got some great information, and um, I was able to implement it, and they got, they pretty much improved immediately after right. I had the help. Um, I had James Kaufman from McKay Music. Yeah, um, he knows his stuff oh for yeah. sure. Randy Bartlett from yeah. Region 25. Also, also knows his stuff. <laughs> and Brandon Brewer from Princeton come out um, along with, with the Princeton staff. And they came out and, you know, told me everything I was doing was wrong and all right. that. Yeah. So and then you were like, yes, sir. And yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. it was Been all better. There. Been there. So um, I also, you know, after getting my, my first rating as a band director, I got a, a second division in marching band. Okay. Um, I spent hours on the phone with my college director, David Rollins, um, talking about rehearsal preparation and classroom management and, you know, what he was doing with his groups at the time. And I, like, the next week I went in and said, hey, we're going to meet 30 minutes early before school every day. Yeah. And we're going to implement all of this. And, you know, ended up making a first division on stage a couple of months later. Nice. And um, and so that that got me on the right path to knowing what I was doing. Yes. Um, but as far as, as far as asking for help and being nervous, I was as nervous as they come. I mean, all the stuff you're describing from college where we had to conduct the college band mm-hmm. and, and stuff, I just – I looked at that my sophomore year and thought, oh, my goodness, I oh, do yes. not want to do that. Yep. And I'm going to be a performance major and you right. know, just, and then just I don't worry about what that. I'm good at. Or the education classes. I don't or have to worry about graphic classes. organizers either. I did take the class that had the overhead projector. But oh, I, did you? I, I think I dropped it about halfway through. The, the projector or the class? The the class. Okay, good, good. Yeah, Because those <laughs> things, when they break, man, they split into a million pieces. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, and I, I touched on this earlier um, I've had a number of clinicians in my groups over the years, and I will say I always stress about having them come in. And I, and I do that because I know that I'm having them come in to look for issues and concerns and whatever. But I still have, as much as I try to squash it down, I still have that, I wonder what this guy's going to think about me oh, thing yeah. going on, right? And, and again, you know, and some of you are thinking right now, yeah, that's me too. And some of you are like, well, I've never thought that. Okay, that's fine. Good for you. That's not me. And so, you know, some of the folks I've had in over the years, uh, J.B. Perry, who is the retired uh, director of bands, director of fine arts at Springtown, um, you know, he is one of my mentors. And 
when that man came in, I mean, I, you know, I would have him come in and I knew he was going to just absolutely cut us apart, but, <laughs> but we needed it. Oh yeah. And the kids loved him and it gave me so many good things. You know, I mean, I learned so much from him. Um, and more recently, John Klein, I know a lot of, you know, John, he just has some amazing wisdom. Um, you know, and these guys have been doing this for, you know, years i mean you, i mean and, and i mean i'm you know the age i am but the wisdom that exists in these guys in their heads and the way that they approach kids especially now because some of them kind of have that grandpa thing going on right so oh, yeah. kids really like they're like oh my gosh and john's fun because he will do magic for the kids if you ask him to for sure yeah, and and they love it but you know it's I will say that, you know, part of getting to the point uh, as a music educator that I am now, I had to admit to myself that I didn't know everything and that I needed more information and that nobody else was going to just bring it to me on a platter. I had to go ask. Sure. And, and I wanted to ask not only because I wanted to be stronger in the profession personally, but I wanted the best experience for my kids. I wanted them to feel success. I wanted them to go, hey, this hard work translates to this performance, translates to this feeling on the back end. Yes. And but, you know, so what I would say is when you when you're worried about having clinicians come in or worried about what they're going to think. And here's another one, too, is there's no such thing as having a clinician come in too early. There is such a thing as having somebody come in too late. You have them come in early to take a look at your rehearsal plan, what you're doing. Have them give you some feedback and, and get another set of eyes and ears. Yes, you've got your staff there, but get somebody who's seasoned in the profession and can go, okay, I see this ensemble now on this trajectory. This is where this is going to end up. And these guys are crazy. They can see into the future. They know exactly where this is going to go yeah. if we hold the same patterns and and teaching techniques that we're using currently, right? Yeah. You know, and, and so that's something that, we as educators, I think we really need to be a lot more open and receptive to having people come out and watch us, watch our kids, even interact with our kids. You know, because sure. some of these guys that are out there and they're able to do clinics and they're able to work with your your kids, they are some of the finest ladies and gentlemen in the profession. And they are just, I mean, stellar individuals. And if you look on the Facebook page, you start looking through our membership. We have some absolute legends of Texas band. Oh yeah. And, and no, Jason, I'm not talking about you. Cause I know you're going to ask me that. What? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we have some absolute legends in our group that are willing to answer questions that are willing to talk with you, that are willing to help you through some of these things. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you one of the things I've heard guys say is, well, I don't want to bring a clinician out because I don't have much of a budget. You know what? None of us got into this profession for money. We didn't do that. And so if somebody can be of assistance and you reach out, they're going to help you. They will help you get through whatever it is that you're traveling through. Now, if you want to pay them, fantastic. That's great. I know they would appreciate it. But they're not in it for the money. Most of those guys, they're retired. They're pulling their retirement in, and they've got a, a side gig as well. They're making millions of dollars, right? <laughs> so, so, but but use those guys. And I will tell you, now that I've been out of full-time band directing for two years, I, I personally, and I know, Jason, you're like this too, you absolutely love going and working with another group of kids and yes. getting to meet them and, and be around their directors and their personalities. And, you know, and it's cool because once you, you get to work with them and then you get to check in with them and you're like, hey, how did this go? How right. was rehearsal the next day? You know, yeah. and you get to kind of have some ownership of 
of that process of their process too. Sure, it's, and th- it's a th- lot of fun. That's what I was going to say. Is that you know we're worried about you know what they're going to think, but they're there to help you, and they they're going to give you the right path to get on, and then they're going to be rooting for you. That's they're right. not going to be rooting for you to. Oh man, I hope the information that I gave them <laughs> really doesn't work, and yes. they still are terrible. You know, that's but, exactly right. Yes. So yeah, and, and it's it's a positive experience, and and plus you get to hang out with some pretty cool people. I mean yes. it's. Um, you know, several of these uh, legends of Texas band, I mean, you know, they're not going to just come to your concert and, and want to meet you and hang out at right. you know, at your house or whatever. You know, they if they, if you invite them out and you meet them, I mean, these are really cool people that you, yes. get, to, you get to know. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we, we have the impression that, oh, well, you know, they're too too good for me to go talk to them, you know, or go introduce myself go introduce yourself sure. like like go meet these people you know if you see me if you see jason you see us at convention and you want to come up and talk come see us we, yeah. we'd be happy to talk to you as well as everybody else that's in the group so um so yeah so that i think is about the extent of the content we wanted to do here in this first podcast yeah. i mean i think the yeah the only other thing i was going to say as far as the as far as asking clinicians out to help, um, even even if it is at the very beginning of yep. UIL preparation, is that you definitely want just these couple of people that you're asking to watch you at your worst. Yes, absolutely. As opposed to taking, you know, taking your worst to contest or to yeah. a concert, That's and then exactly having right. somebody show up and say, "Oh my goodness, what right. are you doing?" You would you would much rather hear that from them than see a comment on a judge's sheet or hear a comment on a recording. You know, For sure. You would much rather that situation. Yeah. And, you know, what you have to remember, too, is all of those guys, they were in that same place. They didn't know it all right yeah. off the bat. Like, that's a journey. And so I think that's that's one of the things that's really important to remember is you start in X place and you go forward, right? It's just like being a musician. We're constantly learning, constantly growing. We never really arrive. Well, being an educator, being a band director, it is the same thing. We're always learning new things. And, you know, I'm a better band director today than I was this time last year. You are too. And and that's the kind of the barometer is we start looking at our career and where am I? Like if I look at myself 10, 12 years ago, man, I'm like, that guy didn't know anything, you know? <laughs> Versus now where I'm like, man, I, I know quite a bit more, but oh, yeah. I, I hope that in 10 more years, I'm like, man, I, I've grown so be like much. like 95 years old, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if you round up, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, but anyway, one of the things I, I want to encourage all of you to do is make sure, yes, we're musicians. Yes, we're very serious about what we do, but remember to be human. Remember to go you know what, it's okay if I don't know exactly how to do this. I need to reach out to my buddy or I need to reach out to my mentor. I need to talk to somebody. There's not going to be a level of judgment there like, oh, my gosh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. No, where the judgment comes in is when you don't reach out and you don't ask for help, you know you need help, and then your students suffer because of it. That's something you just want to make sure that you're doing everything that you can do to help them be successful, you know? And of course there's, there's the whole director side and, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself and wellness and all that's a whole nother episode. Right. But, but those are the things, you know, that as as we start down this, this journey with band hacks and with a podcast, we genuinely want to be a resource for all of you that are in need of assistance. And I mean, I'm personally excited because I've got some folks in the group that they know quite a bit more than I do. And I'm gonna be talking to them about, hey, how did you handle this? Or how would you handle this? 
they're fine arts directors or they're retired fine arts directors, you know, yeah. or they were great band directors and they are good or people to talk to right now. Great trumpet players. Or, or that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, well folks, we r- really hope you've enjoyed the first episode before, before you, oh, cut you, out, you got one more speaking, yeah. speaking of asking old dudes to, to help you uh, uh-huh. and stuff. Do you want to, what are you doing during first period? Like tomorrow? You want to come? You want to come work my group? I mean, I certainly can if okay. you if you would like yeah, for me to do nice. that. What yeah. are What are we playing? Um, we're playing Sleigh Ride and okay. Home Alone. Home Alone, right and on. Old Scottish Melody. Okay, yeah. cool. Tomorrow, first period. Sure, yeah, right that on. Sounds good. Love it. Awesome. Good. Again, thank you guys so much for listening to us on this first episode. Um, if you like us, please let us know. If you're like, man, you guys drone on too much, or you want us to talk about something specific. Let us know. Again, we're, we're using our time. We want this to be a resource for you. Um, this is a not-for-profit endeavor. We're not trying to make money on this. We just simply want to be of service to you guys. So please reach out if we can be of help. And I want to encourage all of you to have a wonderful rest of your week. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks.